0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong.
1: You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News, talk, traffic. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm Jason Kong alongside the one who makes this program happen. Mary Lucas with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you today?
2: Womp womp. I taught my nephew the word womp womp this weekend. And I said, anytime that your mom tells you you don't that you don't want to do something your mom tells you to, you go womp womp. And he, she was like, no ice cream. And he goes, womp womp. <laughs> Kate, I'm sorry if you're listening. Yeah, uh, I, bet, I bet Kate really loves
1: <laughs> you for that. That's
2: probably going to go over real well. But, um, yeah, she laughed at first and then looked at me with a... A real big glare.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Perks of being the ant. Perks of being the ant. Well, we've got a great show lined up today, and we're going to be talking all about palliative care. And we haven't done one of these programs in a while, and that's why we thought it was so important to have a special guest with us today, and that is Dr. Joshua Dowd. Dr. Dowd is Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. Dr. Dowd, thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it.
2: I'm super excited. Dr. Dowd is one of my personal favorite people. I hope no one at Transitions Life Care is listening to the show right now. Um, I send him all the hardest cases, and I know he deals with a, a lot of tough uh, situations at Transitions with our patients and families. And I'm just so appreciative of everything that you do uh, for our community. But for those who don't know you, could you describe a little bit about your role and your background and how you got started in palliative care?
3: Sure. So um, I did internal medicine residency uh, before doing hospice and palliative medicine fellowship. Um, And when I was in med school, I thought I wanted to be an oncologist. And so I figured, you know, hey, I should do a rotation in palliative care. That stuff probably will be applicable for Mm -hmm. what I want to do down the road. Um, And then when I did it in, in med school, it just struck me how it was different than everything else that i'd experienced in med school up to that point where you know there was this whole team of people who remembered that the people that we were taking care of were actual human beings and people with lives and you know stuff that was important to them outside of what was going on in the hospital um and the the hierarchy that i think is so persistent in medicine didn't seem to exist on this team where everybody Um. had their own specific role. Everybody's opinion was valued. Um, it just felt very different. And at the time, I thought, you know, this is amazing, but I don't want to do this for forever because this this is sad. We deal with people mm-hmm. that are like almost never getting better and, and are super, super sick. Um, so I didn't think that it was going to be my career path at that time. But then when I got into residency and you're in the hospital all the time, I mean, I, I realized that, we were seeing all these same people all the time, every day who were super sick in and out of the hospital, but not talking about the things that I remembered talking about doing this rotation in palliative care. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I finally got a chance to, to experience palliative care again, when I was in residency at that point, it clicked and I was like, okay, this is exactly what I thought I wanted to do when I wanted to be a doctor in the first place where, you know, we really just get to um, help people feel the best that they can and get to know them and, and try to work alongside them and what's important to them. Um, so that's what got me started on this path. Um, I did a hospice and palliative care fellowship at UNC and have been working at transitions life care sense. Um, I did, uh, hospital based palliative care at the wake med system for a couple of years and then shifted into the community. Um, and so right now, I'm the medical director for our community-based palliative care team um, and primarily practicing palliative care in all the facilities that we serve in the area. Um, so that's, that's my role right now.
2: Did you ever have one of those aha moments when you were in residency, or was it kind of just watching it all and, and taking it in th- throughout your whole experience where you were thinking at the end, like, maybe, this is, maybe palliative care is where I want to be?
3: I think it it was sort of like a build-up of experiences but before i actually got to see palliative care again it was a build-up of, of, of experiences mm. just sort of in everyday life in residency where you know we would see people come in the hospital get discharged and then like a week later be right back mm. and just do the same thing all over again it's like is nobody like are we sure that this is how they want mm-hmm. to spend their time um but then when i was in a clinic in palliative care, which I didn't request. It's, I think the universe was looking out for me. But um, when I had my first clinic day and, you know, I got to work with the attending and got to experience what our job was, I think that was the aha moment where it's like, man, like I get to do this stuff that feels really important every single day If if this is what I do with my life.
2: Great. Uh, we keep using this word palliative care, and it's a very funny word. And a lot of people, if you say that, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what does palliative mean? does palliative care? What does palliative mean?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it, somebody the other day they had never heard the word before, and then they managed to like spell it correctly, which was super impressive to me. Um, so, that, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's um, not a common word. Definitely not one that people use in everyday language. Um, where the word comes from, and then I'll explain what palliative is. But the word palliate actually comes from the Latin word pallium, which means to cloak or to cover. And I think the intention behind using that word is to palliate something is to cloak or cover or alleviate the suffering that's associated with something without necessarily addressing that illness or that thing that's causing the suffering. Mm-hmm. So then that sort of translated into this, this practice or this field of palliative care, um, which the way that I describe it is it's a, a team approach approach for people who specialize in supporting people that are living with a serious illness. Um, And there's lots and lots of different definitions that you can find of palliative care. Some of them are a couple lines long. Some of them are like two paragraphs Mm -hmm. long. Um, So it's, it's tricky to define succinctly a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but that's why I sort of always come back to support for people living with serious illness. I think if, if I could boil it down to, just a few words. Those are the words that I typically use.
0: I
2: love that's that's easy enough. You you mentioned the word team though, uh, and I want to go back to that. What is the team, and who provides that care exactly? And what do they do? What are the different roles that you see in a in a palliative care team?
3: Yeah, so the, um, I think you know that's one of the things that makes palliative care really special compared to a lot of the rest of the medical system, where in order to practice specialty palliative care, you you need that team. It's not just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is nice that we have the team. It is literally an integral part of delivering the care that, that you're supposed to be delivering with palliative care. So um, I can talk about palliative care in general and then talk about our specific team, both in the hospital and, and in the community. Um, most teams that are delivering palliative care have a physician, at least one physician on the team Um, Most of them have advanced practice providers, so nurse practitioners or physician assistants. Um, Most of them have social workers, um, have nurses, whether that's a triage role or whether that's a patient um, facing, you know, going out to see them role. Um, Most teams have administrative staff, have spiritual care support, um, and some have some additional roles that I haven't mentioned yet. Like a lot of teams have pharmacist support, um, which is really nice. I'm sure that there's other, other people that I'm missing too, um, but each person, I think the thing that makes it special is the reason why you have all these roles is everybody brings their own experience and expertise and background to help provide you know, big picture, whole person centered care um, where, you know, I'm not expected to duplicate what a social worker is doing on the team. I I don't have the training that a social worker does. I don't have the skills that they have. So I'm able to, you know, fulfill my role as the physician and then be able to trust that the rest of our team members who have all of this experience that I don't have can help care for our patients and their families and care partners in other ways. Um, which again, I think makes this special. Uh, our our specific team at transitions life care, both in the hospital and in the community. Uh, We've got physicians, we've got uh, nurse practitioners and physician assistants, we've got social workers, um, nurses, administrative staff. And then we do have access to spiritual care support, whether that's through um, the hospital system or through uh, our hospice team and hospice colleagues. So we've got, you know, pretty much every piece of the team that you need to be able to deliver um, great specialty palliative care.
1: And that's how you make a huge impact. We're speaking with Dr. Joshua Dowd. He is Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. And we're talking about all things palliative care. And we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF
0: News Talk. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to
1: Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is... Dr. Joshua Dowd, who is Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. And we're talking all things palliative care. And Mary, we just went over last segment kind of what palliative care Mm -hmm. is and how Dr. Dowd's team operates. And Mm -hmm. while we may have gotten a definition of palliative care, I think uh, an example always kind of helps hammer things home with this because it can be... Kind of nebulous at times when we think of palliative care, but you know if we can kind of hone in, I think that really helps drive the point home.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good thought, Jason. I you know I was actually talking with the family uh, over the last couple weeks, and they're in the hospital and we've got, uh, they were, I was speaking with them, they were like, we have a kidney doctor, we have a liver doctor, we have a heart doctor, we have, you know, someone even told us we could get a transplant. And we don't know who to listen to. And they're all saying different things. And It seems like no one's talking. What do we do? And I was like, you need palliative care. Um, (laughs) Because it it, there's just a lot going on. And it doesn't seem all the time when you're in the hospital for this instance, it doesn't seem like everyone's talking to each other all the time. Um, We they didn't have they had a palliative. Care consult everything is is definitely coming together now, um, but Dr. Dowd, how does palliative care differ than what you get from all of these specialties and primary care? Do they do you work together with everybody, or do you does anyone have to give up a doctor in order to have palliative care?
3: It's a great question, and and I think you know the experience that you were just describing, Mary, is in my mind. Obviously, I'm biased, but in my mind. <laughs> perfect opportunity for palliative care when there is a lot going on and people are just really not sure what to do or what questions to ask or what to think. I think that is exactly what what we're there for. Um, you know, the, the way that I think about palliative care and how it fits into the rest of the system or the rest of somebody's medical team is kind of the same way that you could think about the rest of medicine where there's Um, general or primary care, and then there's specialty care. I think for palliative Mm -hmm. care, everybody, hopefully everybody in the system practices some degree of what we call primary palliative care or general palliative care. You know, hopefully every clinician is helping their patients try to feel the best that they can, is talking to them a little bit about what's important to them or helping them plan a little bit for the future. So everybody is doing a little bit of palliative care. I think that's one of the most common barriers that we run into when people aren't getting referred to palliative care is, is clinicians may say, well, I already do all that stuff. Like, we don't, we don't need any mm-hmm. extra help. Um, I think just in the same way that if you have a serious heart problem, you know, of course your primary care doctor or provider knows about heart disease, but if it's really serious and really complicated, you're going to want to get help from a cardiologist or a specialist. I think palliative care is the same way, where when things are really complicated and there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of questions about what to do, it's, it's helpful to get help from this specialty team where this is literally what we do every day. And like we talked about before, you know, we've got this whole team of people that all bring different experiences and levels of expertise with them. So it's not just you know one person off on their own practicing palliative care. It's a whole team who you know we've got special training in this. This is what we do every day. I think it it adds a layer of you know specialty and experience that any individual person, even somebody who's trained in palliative care, is not going to be able to deliver themselves. Um, I think with that in mind, you know, just like. If, if you have a cardiologist who gets added to your team or a kidney doctor, a nephrologist, or an oncologist, those people typically don't take over every aspect of your care. They get added to the team. And palliative care is the same way where, you know, you've got a primary care uh, provider, or if you're in the hospital, you've got a hospitalist, you might have all these other specialty providers. If palliative care gets consulted or, or you get a palliative care referral, they're going to be added to the team. They're they're not going to take over for anybody. You don't need to give up your other providers or doctors. They are going to be um, another person on your care team. And I think, you know, kind of what you were alluding to, Mary, the way that medicine is, which I know can be really frustrating, is everybody has their own thing that they focus Mm -hmm. on. Like, I don't mean to keep using the same examples, but Mm -hmm. if if you – went to a cardiologist and you said, Hey, I, uh, I want to talk to you about my esophageal cancer. They're going to say, hold on. That's (laughs) not, that's not me. Go talk to your oncologist. Um, I I know that that can be frustrating because everybody is looking at their one individual thing. And sometimes it doesn't feel like everybody is looking at the big picture. Um, even if people might be behind the scenes, it's not always communicated, Um, clearly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where palliative care can be really helpful in these exact situations is, you know, our job is to remember that people are human beings who have lives, who have things that are important to them, where, you know, medicine and healthcare is supposed to be helping them do those things. It's not supposed to be getting in the way or, you know, upending their life so that now all you focus on is your medical problems. It's designed to talk about what those problems are talk honest honestly and truthfully about what this might mean for the future and then try to connect it to the the goals the values the preferences that somebody has to then be able to say hey based on what you're hoping for and based on this this huge big picture putting all the pieces together this plan feels like it makes sense what do you think about that Mm. um so i think that 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 can be really helpful to to bring all of these really complicated pieces together in an understandable way that, you know, connects with somebody's life. I think, you know, that is that's literally what our job is.
2: That's that's amazing. But I want to before we lose listeners who or, you know, podcast listeners, radio listeners who maybe think I don't need palliative care that I'm not dying um, and and you know, may turn off the rest of the show, I, I want to address that point. Um, we, we're talking a lot about a lot of things that may seem like this is for some someone who may be end of life. Does palliative care mean you're dying? Is this hospice? Um, can you still continue curative treatments? Can you still continue going to your oncologist or your heart doctor while you're on palliative care?
3: That's a great question. And the, the very short answer, and then I'll give a longer answer, <laughs> the very short answer is Absolutely not. Palliative care does not mean that you're dying. Absolutely not. You don't need to give up your uh, other providers that you see. You don't need to stop or change any of the treatments that you're getting if you don't want to. Um, so so no, palliative care does not mean any of those things. Um, the longer answer, and I think something that connects to those thoughts or those questions, is a lot of people hear the words palliative care and they immediately think hospice. Um, And clinicians, I think, are, are guilty of this, too, where I think a lot of people think that those two things are the same thing. And the way that I describe it to people is palliative care and hospice together are sort of one big pie, and hospice is one very, very, very small sliver of that whole palliative care pie, where both palliative care and hospice are designed uh, to to help people feel the best that they can, are designed to help learn about who somebody is as a person and help them accomplish the goals that they have. Um, You know, they're both focused on quality of life. I think the ways that they're different, our hospice is a very specific um, Medicare program that is designed for people who are nearing the end of their life, which usually is defined as we wouldn't be surprised if somebody had six months or less to live, not, you know, six Mm -hmm days are left to live, but six months are left to live, um, who want to focus exclusively on comfort and who want to try to stay put where they are, whether that's at home or a facility or wherever it is. The rest of palliative care, so outside of hospice, people can have any diagnosis, any prognosis, any goals in mind. It doesn't have to be specifically focused on comfort, and it certainly doesn't have to be at the end of life. And in fact, I think Outside of those things are the times when palliative care can be the most helpful. Um, where, you know, really the way that palliative care came into existence is in the cancer population and in, in the oncology mm-hmm. world, where people were, you know, getting diagnosed with cancer, were going through treatment for that cancer, and were feeling miserable. Um, and, you know, things were happening because of that. Either people decided, I can't do this anymore. I'm done with this. Or people got so sick that they, they couldn't continue on or, you know, people weren't sure what they were signing up for when all this stuff was happening. So palliative care came about, I think really related to that where in those exact situations, the way that I think about palliative care being helpful is if somebody's goal is to get cancer directed treatment and to hopefully come out on the other side and, and be cured or, you know, have stable disease or whatever it is, if I'm a part of that team, I want to help them feel the best that they can going through that treatment so that they can accomplish that goal. Um, It's not to convince somebody like, hey, you really should stop treatment. You shouldn't have this goal. It's the opposite. It's I want to learn about what you want and then I want to do what I can and use the knowledge that I have to help you get there. And if that means trying to come up with a regimen that helps manage your symptoms so that you can get through this. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That That's what we're going to do. If you change your mind at any point during this, we can talk about that. If you don't, great. We'll, we'll keep doing what we're doing to help you feel the best that you can. So I think outside of those end of life, um, you know, people who want to focus exclusively on comfort, that's when we can be the most helpful because if we're waiting to see people with palliative care, until people are at the end of their life, or until people say, you know what, I really want to prioritize comfort, and, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know, really, that's time for hospice, that we've we've missed this whole window where palliative care may have been really helpful and supportive before that time came. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know that that was a, a long answer, but no, palliative care does not mean that you're dying. In a perfect world, we would be seeing people who are are not dying and right. who Um, you know, want to continue the treatments that they're getting.
1: I think that's very well said. And it's important that it's said because there really is a a lot of lack of awareness when it comes to palliative care. And when there is awareness, oftentimes it's fueled by misconceptions. So I'm really enjoying this conversation that we're having with Dr. Joshua Dowd, Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. And we're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF News Talk Traffic.
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email Matters at transitionslifecare.org.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Joshua Dowd, Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. And we are talking all things palliative care. And Mary, we've gone over what palliative care is. We kind of went over an example and we learned that, um, you know, this isn't replacing anyone on. Uh, the current medical team and care that you're receiving. Where should we head next?
2: I want to do some quick, like this. That is what happens here. Kind of questions. Um, so, Doctor Dowd, where does someone get palliative care? What's the actual setting? Are you going to a place? Is it coming to you? Where? What does palliative care look like? I think
3: you know most palliative care, and, and this is mostly because this is the way that the system works more than anything else. But most palliative care is delivered in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I, I think almost every hospital that's over a certain number of beds, I think it's 150 beds or 200 beds or something, almost every hospital in the country of that size has access to a palliative care team or a palliative care specialist. Um, so that's most of the time where it happens. In my very biased opinion, <laughs> I, I hope that um, you know most palliative care in the future is delivered in the community, whether that means in a clinic setting or where people are so you know going out to a facility where somebody is living or there are some programs that do home-based palliative care where you're going out to somebody's home Um, there are a lot of programs that do telehealth delivered community-based palliative care where you know you do a video visit with somebody who's living at home or a facility Um, so the the short answer to that is really it can be delivered wherever somebody is at Um, but I, i think depending on the setting what that could look like is a little bit different depending on the setting, depending on the clinical situation, Um, but it can be delivered really anywhere where somebody is.
2: It's helpful. What can someone expect from a palliative care meeting, uh, their first palliative care meeting or any palliative care meeting?
3: Yeah, it's funny. I feel like most of the time when we go see somebody, there's like this, worry that you can feel or like this uneasiness, like when we first start and like, man, I promise, we're not scary, like we're not here to do anything wild. But um, it's, it's funny how that feeling that like emotion and energy changes over the course of the, the time that we have together. I usually tell people the first time that I see somebody, um, my job is to get to know them, get to know what's been going on medically, and get to know the things that have been stressing them out as it com- as it relates to their serious illness so that I can figure out how best to support them. And so I can figure out how to involve the, the rest of the members of our team. Um, and that's really it. I, you know, I, I usually don't have an agenda and I think most people that practice palliative care are the same way where usually we don't have an agenda of these are the things that I wanna talk about the first time I see somebody. I think our job is really to get to know them and get to know where they're at and the things that they'd like help with and really let the patient or their family or their care partners guide where that conversation goes. Um, it may be talking about symptoms and ways that we can help with that. It might be talking about advanced care planning or you know, planning, preparing for the future and, and talking about medical decisions. It may just be support, You know, talking about what's been stressful about an illness and, and, you know, talking about ways that we can help them through that. Um, so it, it can, there's not really like a one size fits all, Hey, this is exactly what a palliative care visit looks like. And I think that that's what makes it, um, you know, meaningful and and interesting. And I guess one word fun for me, (laughs) and, and hopefully, um, really helpful for patients and families and care partners because they can guide um, where they where they need it to go.
2: You mentioned patients, caregivers, families. Who else besides the patient benefits from palliative care?
3: Yeah, I think all of those people, um, and you know, hopefully, in a perfect world, the the other members of the healthcare team too, mm. or or referring clinicians. Um, I think in certain situations, especially I think about uh, patients that are living with dementia or have other things that are limiting their ability to participate in a conversation, um, especially a really complicated conversation, I think the majority of the support that we're giving is for families and for care partners. Um, So it's, I think the way that we look at that group of people is we Mm -hmm. look at them as one unit where, you know, you can't really look at the patient and separate them from the other people who are important to them because they're all going through this, tough situation together. Um, and, and they're all a part of it. And I think philosophically, we look at it that way. Um, like I said, hopefully we're also helping the rest of the healthcare team and and referring clinicians where, you know, I would think that the reason why they're referring to us is because they're looking for help with something. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we're able to, um, you know, accomplish whatever they're hoping we can accomplish, you know, supporting people, through the serious illness that they're going through and and putting a lot of those pieces together, like we talked about earlier, um, where it, it can, I've seen it kind of take that weight off of other clinicians where they know that we're helping with these things. They know that, you know, this is being taken care of and, and they're getting help caring for their patients and they don't need to feel that burden of, oh my gosh, i have got to, do all of this all by myself, along with the other 20 million things that I have to do. Um, so in a perfect world, we're, we're helping all of the above.
2: That's interesting that you bring that up. The the family and, and the situation I was talking about earlier, the palliative care uh, physician came in and had a whole different conversation that kind of combined all the pieces. And from then forward, the conversations with the other physicians that were all in their specialty mind frame, has completely changed Um, and it was kind of almost it felt the way they described to me it almost felt like a relief of other providers Mm -hmm. of like oh okay they've had this conversation now and we can all be on the same page it was very interesting kind of shift in in how things were going
3: absolutely I I think we see that a lot and I think everybody hopefully everybody can kind of feel that Mm -hmm. where I for one reason or another I mean I and I know that these conversations that we have are, are really hard mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think that people, especially who maybe aren't trained in, in having them or don't do them every single day, the way that we do, you know, I know a lot of people are really nervous about mm-hmm. how to broach these conversations or how to, where to even start. And so I, I think that we see that a lot where When that conversation gets had that everybody behind the scenes has been thinking about like, man, we should really talk about this. Like once it's out in the open and everybody knows what's going on and and we're all speaking the same language and on the same page, it can take a lot of pressure off.
2: Yeah, yeah. Before we go to break, we have uh, a couple minutes. I want to run through a couple scenarios, yes, no scenarios, or hospice palliative care scenarios. Um, 86-year-old with Alzheimer's, hospitalized a few times, lost a lot of weight, dependent on husband, hospice or palliative care?
3: Depending on what somebody's goals are, if they're like, hey, I want to focus on comfort, I never want to go back Mm -hmm. to the hospital again, probably more hospice. Mm -hmm. Um, If somebody isn't sure, then palliative care is great because we can talk through that and and figure out where to go. How
2: about a 60-year-old man, kidney failure, diabetes, getting dialysis three times a week? He wants to stop dialysis, but the family disagrees with his wishes.
3: Definitely palliative care, just because we can help talk through that scenario, can hopefully, you know, try to figure out what the concerns are, what the questions are, and Hopefully, get everybody on the same page. And mm-hmm. if that page ends up being stopping dialysis, then a perfect opportunity for hospice.
2: How about a 30 year old, breast cancer, the family is stressed, everyone's trying to help caregive?
3: Definitely palliative care,
2: 100%. And a man with advanced ALS and a DNR do not resuscitate?
3: I think, again, you know, depending on their goals and without getting too in the weeds, depending on how advanced their ALS is, you know, if, if they qualify for hospice and they want to focus on comfort and don't want to go through a lot of the more advanced stuff that people with ALS can go through, I think hospice would be a, a great plan. If they're not sure or if they do want to continue some of those things or, or want to pursue those things, then I think palliative care can be really helpful too.
1: Did Dr. Dowd pass? He He passed, yeah. Okay, Okay. good. We can advance on.
2: Excellent, excellent.
1: (laughs) You've won a prize. Your prize is you get to stick around with us for one more segment here (laughs) on aging matters. Uh, Just joking, of course. But we're very happy to be speaking with Dr. Joshua Dowd. He's medical director of community-based palliative care at Transitions Life Care. And we've got one more segment, and we're going to continue our conversation related to palliative care. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF News, Talk, Traffic.
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong.
1: You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to TransitionsLifeCare.org. There's so many resources available for you online. Learn more at TransitionsLifeCare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. We're so happy to have Dr. Joshua Dowd with us on the line. He is Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care, and we've been speaking about all things related To palliative care and as we are winding down here mary i know you wanted to get into a conversation related to telehealth
2: yes i think there's so much hesitancy around telehealth um you know covid happened well COVID's still happening i guess um Mm -hmm. and there was a a big shift during covid and the start of covid uh, uh, to move a lot of the care to telehealth um you know you can have a telehealth I, i had a telehealth with my orthopedic and i'm like can you really see my knee um but I, I, palliative care has, there is some aspects of it that can be telehealth and there's some hesitancy to use that. Dr. Dowd, what does telehealth really mean? What does it look like? And uh, talk to us a little bit about that setting.
3: Definitely. Um, so telehealth essentially just means, you know, whether it's with audio over the phone or with video over the phone or over the computer, um, telehealth means care delivered in that way. So instead of me coming to see you, or you coming to see me in the clinic where we're sitting there face to face, where they're talking over the phone or over a video screen. Um, you know, I think to exactly what you just said, Mary, a lot of different specialties were practicing a lot of telehealth at the beginning of the pandemic and throughout the pandemic. Um, and some people have stuck, stuck with that. Some people have sort of shifted back to a, a more face to face clinic based model. Um, I think there are certain specialties for sure that telehealth may not work the best for, like especially if you're doing a procedure, like obviously that person needs to be right there in front of you. Um, But if if you're doing the things that we typically do in palliative care, where most of what we do is talking, Um, you know, we we talk about symptoms, we um, talk about what's important to people, talk about them as people, help make decisions, you know, all of that stuff is a conversation um which i know i I can even speak to when we started doing telehealth i I think i was part of the crew um where i think pretty much everybody starts where it's like this is this is not going to be the same this is not going to be as good as when i'm sitting right in front of you like part of what makes this work meaningful is getting to know people as people and being able to sit in somebody's living room and like pet their dog and see their family pictures like that was that was a big part of it and so I think when we made that shift I was skeptical about how this was going to go or the you know the longevity or the success of this and I think me and everybody else on our team and I think more importantly patients families caregivers I think we've all learned that this is something that has been very, very, very helpful and has not diminished the quality of care that we're providing. Again, both from our point of view, you know, our perception of the quality of care that we're providing. And then also the, the patient family care partner perspective, we do um, do surveys with patients and, and families and care partners to get their opinions and views. And the, the number of people who decide to not um, follow through with the palliative care referral because it's telehealth is very, very small. The number of people who after they've had a visit with us in telehealth who say, you know what, this really isn't for me is is even smaller. Um, I think the things that have been really beneficial about it is the time that it takes to see people, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of new patients. So, you know, time to referral to then actually being able to see somebody has been dramatically shorter with telehealth than it was when we were, you know, covering our big geographic area needing to drive all over the place to see people. The time to see follow-ups has also been shorter. You know, we can see people more frequently if they need to be seen more frequently. We can even see you know, urgent visits where somebody calls in and they say, hey, this is going on, can I see somebody today? You know, we've been able to help with that with telehealth, where in the past there was almost no way that that was going to be able to happen because you'd have to coordinate all this, all this geography, um, which was really, really challenging. So I think those benefits of being able to see people sooner being able to see them when they need to be seen Mm -hmm. we've been able to do that with telehealth where we weren't really able to do that before um and again i think we're delivering the same quality of care um and and i think that this is something that is is going to be here for a long time because of those things where we're able to to help more people help them when they need help and do it in the same way um and so I think it's been really, really, really helpful and beneficial for everybody in the equation.
2: I think you bring up a really good point here. This setting allows for family and people from other areas. You know, I know there's a lot of long-distance caregiving going on, and um, it, it, this allows for other family to join from other areas if there's a, a conversation that needs to happen in front of multiple people.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, something that we used to do, like something that used to come to our mind is if somebody wanted to be involved from far away, we'd we'd get them over the phone, like, you know, we would be there in the living room, and Mm -hmm. then we'd get them over the phone. But I think something that this has taught us, which we always had the capability to do, but I don't think we ever thought about it was, you know, everybody can be there over video, um, which kind of adds another dimension of communication than just sitting there talking on the phone. And yeah, I mean, people can be literally anywhere and and can join. Um, And we can have a lot of people there too. Whoever the patient wants to be a part of that conversation, any of those people and all of those people can join in. Um, You know, there have been some uh, meetings where there's been 15 to 20 people there, you know, all in different parts of, of the country or the world. So, Yes, 100 percent. I think that that's been something that's been really helpful, too. And, you know, people haven't felt the need, you know, when when a a care partner or a family member is also working full time and they used to have to take days off or like completely rearrange their schedule to say, I'm going to be there in the home to meet this person face to face. I think knowing that we're delivering our care through telehealth that's helped people realize that, oh, I, I can do that too. I don't have to take my whole day off of work, you know, take a whole day of PTO just for, you know, an hour and a half to be there at home where I can block a little bit of time at work and I can join this conversation over video. Um, and we can do it that way. And so I think that both um, you know, both for people, you know, far away and then also for people close by but who are busy and trying to do all the other things that people have to do, mm-hmm. I think it's it's been really helpful.
1: He is Dr. Joshua Dowd, Medical Director of Community-Based Palliative Care at Transitions Life Care. Dr. Dowd, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. It was invaluable, and we really appreciate having the conversation with you.
3: Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it, Jason and Mary.
1: Well, we, we could have talked about this all day. I know mm-hmm. both you and Mary are extremely passionate about palliative care, and if this has been enlightening for you or maybe you want to go back and listen to something or share this with a loved one, be sure to check out the podcast. You can find Aging Matters anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also go to WPTF.com, click on Shows, find Aging Matters, and there you can view the full archive of podcasts, including this episode, online at wptf. Com. We're out of time for today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News, Talk, Traffic. Have a
0: great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.